really speaks to you guys and that you're encouraged. And I'm going to be recorded. Um, but let me pray and then we'll get into it for tonight. Father, we are grateful for each person here tonight. We're grateful for this conference that uh, you've brought together. We ask that you would speak to us through your word this evening. Help me to be faithful to your word and to your text as I preach tonight. And we ask that you would be at work among us. That the power of God, not the power of Justin, but the power of God would be at work. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, my name's Justin. Um, I've got three kids, but only one wife. Um, all of our kids are quite young. Oldest is three, and then two, and then eight months. So pretty young. Um, one, one of the things about our kids, um, one of the things that they love to do, uh, the oldest two at least, the young one's too young for this, but they love to ring up their grandparents and just have a chat about life. Um, and generally, I mean, our oldest, our three-year-old, he, he can hold a little bit of a conversation, but Jessie, our two-year-old girl, she's normally, hi, hi, Nana, hi, Grandma, and then she's, she'll run off and play with her toys. Uh, but one time recently, uh, I was in one of the bedrooms, and I heard our two-year-old girl, Jessie, she was having this great conversation with her grandparents. Um, and I heard her talking about the things that she'd done today, the things that she'd eaten, and she even asked them, what have you done today, Nana? And I thought, man, Jessie's really growing up. She's having this adult conversation with her Nana and Grandy, and I thought, this is amazing. And so I, I walked out the bedroom, up the hall, to have a look. I really wanted to see my little girl having this adult, grown-up conversation, and there she is. She's chatting away into the TV remote. <laughs> she had the right idea but the wrong tool um, right before you can use something properly you've got to know what it is and what it is made for right Jessie had the wrong tool she didn't know what it was that she was holding in her hand she thought she had a phone but she didn't and so before you know what something does or is made for, you need to know what it is. Because what it is informs what it does. And so before we look at what the church does this weekend, we need to first look at what is the church. Because what the church is informs what the church does. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at what is the church. Um, and we're going to cover this quite briefly, and then we're going to look at why is the church important. So what is the church? Uh, very briefly, and quite simply, very profoundly, the church is the community of Christians. Okay, Not a big definition. Community of Christians. That is, we're a group of people... Brought into communion with the triune God. The church is a group of people who by faith are in communion with God. And the word for church in the New Testament, ecclesia, um, literally was meant for a, a group or an assembly of people. 
And during the New Testament times, it began to be used in the Christian sense of the term, that is, those who are united to Jesus Christ. And so by faith, we are made one with Christ. We're brought into union and communion with God himself. And so the church and Christ go hand in hand. And having fellowship with Christ, you have fellowship with the church. Because the church, as we will see tonight, is the body of Christ. And so, knowing what the church is, informs what the church then does. Because what we are and what we are made for is forms how we are to be and how we're to relate to everyone else in the world. Because what we were made for as the church is three main things. Right? You could break these down into all, all sorts of categories, but we are to worship God, we're to edify the church, and we're to evangelize the world. Who are we? We are people in communion with God, in relationship with God. And so we worship Him. That's what we do. Who are we? We are people who are brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And so we build one another up. We edify the church. Who are we? We're beings who know and worship God. And so we become witnesses to the world of this God in whom we worship. We do who we are. That makes sense. We do who we are. Now the word church is often split into two main categories. Universal and local. The universal church is the community of Christians worldwide throughout history. So that is, it includes the Apostle Paul, includes uh, Martin Luther 500 years ago, it includes uh, the woman who died last week who was in the church. And it includes those uh, right now in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, and in Matamata who worship God and are in one in communion with him. And we see this use in Scripture. Ephesians 5, uh, Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What's he talking about there? What kind of church? Not... Just the church in Manamana. Who did Christ give himself up for? Not just the church in Paul's day. Not just the Ephesian church. But the universal church. This is the universal church. The local church is the gathering of people as church in a specific place at a specific time. That is, you see this in Scripture again. Paul writes letters to specific churches. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. It's a specific place where they're gathering as church. And so he could be writing to the church, Matamata Bible Church, Seminaria Baptist. We could be Manaru Bible Chapel, Tilmudu Bible Chapel, right? And so this is the localized version of the church. And so what do we do at this church? We, we, we re- regularly gather. We hear the preaching of the word. We celebrate communion. We celebrate baptism. We, we do church discipline. We, we pray. We give. We sing praises. 
what we do in the local church. This is the universal and the local church. Okay, you've got those two? Now this weekend, right, we're focusing on the local church. So how does the universal and the local relate? Because I'm, I'm sure that some of you would say, well, in my local church that I attend, there are probably a few people that I'm, I'm pretty sure are not Christians. How, does, how do they fit into this? Because we talked about the church being the community of Christians. Yes, non-Christians and unbelievers can attend the local church, but doesn't make them part of the church, the proper church. In the true sense of the word, the local church is a representation and an expression of the universal church. And so this is very briefly, in very brief terms, what is the church? Now, why is it important? Have you guys ever heard any of these kinds of statements? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Or Christianity is just about me and Jesus. I'm sure you probably have heard those kind of statements. Maybe you've made those statements yourself. Quite common. What do you think about those statements? We're going we're gonna to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. But one of the major images of the church in the New Testament is that of the body. Right? The church is the body of Christ. And we're going to look at this image this evening. And we're going to ask, why is it important to be part of a local church? And in so doing, we're going to look at spiritual gifts and their role in the local church and their role in every individual Christian's life. So if you have a Bible, hopefully you do, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians and chapter 12. First Corinthians 12. And we're going to start in verse 4. And bear in mind here, this is all in the context that we're going to read is of spiritual gifts or spiritual ones. Different activities that God gives us or empowers us to do. And we read in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So here, he's talking about different, different gifts, different services, different activities that God empowers in Christian lives. And right at the beginning of this passage on spiritual gifts, God, Paul sorry, bases our view and our use of spiritual gifts on the doctrine of God himself. He uses the, the term spirit here, right? We all have the same spirit. We all worship the same Lord. We all have the same God who empowers them all. Here we have the spirit 
the Son and the Father. Father, Son and Spirit. A triune God in whom we worship. And Paul uses this at the beginning of his talk on spiritual gifts to say, I want you to look at God. Who is God? The Father, the Son and the Spirit. He is to be the basis and the way that we think about our spiritual gifts. And one of the things that we know about God is that He is a communion of persons. Father, Son and Spirit. If you don't know much about the Trinity, ask one of your your lecturers tomorrow. But very briefly, God is three persons, Father, Son and Spirit, but one being. He's a community of persons. He always has been, always will be. And God is always communal, and therefore our gifts, our spiritual gifts, the gifts that God empowers in us, are to be communal. Look, at, look with me in verse 7. Now verse 7 is Paul's thesis statement for this whole passage. He gives here the purpose and the reason why God gives us spiritual gifts. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, and here's the purpose, here's the reason, for the common good. Spiritual gifts are given to individuals for the benefit of the community, not for your own benefit. And then Paul goes on to give us a list, an example of some of these. So in verse 8, he says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now my goal here is not to go into detail as to what each one of these gifts are. And I take it that this list that Paul gives here is not exhaustive. Take that that way because in other passages, Paul gives different lists of gifts. But my purpose here is to say that these gifts that, that are given by God to each individual are given for the benefit of the community. They're given for the common good, verse 7. One of the things that I really like is good food. And I'm sure you do as well. Um, but in our church, there is a lady who's a, a caterer. And the first time my wife and I met her, we were invited to her and her husband's home. And we walked through the front door and into the lounge. And there in the dining room table is a large plate of food. It has all kinds of slices and different cakes. I mean, there's only four of us, right? And we sit down to this large plate and it was good. It was good. And here she is, she's a good cook, and she's sharing her gift with others. And I very much appreciated it. Um, It's not great if you're a good cook and you never let anyone else taste your food. Who gets to benefit from it? So so let me know if if 
you've got the gift of, of being a good cook and invite me around, like share the blessing, please. Um, but, but seriously, Paul here says the reason that you're given these spiritual gifts, the giftings that God empowers you, the reason is that you would share this with others. You would share that ability, share those gifts with others for the common good and specifically for those in the church or as he will about to say, the body. So spiritual gifts are given for individuals for the benefit of the community. So let's carry on and see what he says about this body business in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. So right here in this verse, he's comparing the body, the human body, with Christ. See where he goes with this. Verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of the one spirit. Okay, now he's talking here about Christians. Those who have been baptized... Into one body. Those who are baptized by the same Spirit of God. Christians. Compares Christians to the body. Because the body, Christians, sorry, are the body of Christ. We're united to Him. And he says in verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. What is he saying here? If you are in union with Christ, if you're a Christian, you can't say you don't belong to the church. can't say you don't belong to the church. You're part of that body. And now he uses this imagery to tell us that we need each other, right? So verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So just as your body needs the eye to see, it needs the ear to hear, and the nose to smell, so the church is given all of these different giftings, all these different abilities to enable the rest of the body to be able to see, to be able to hear, to be able to taste, to be able to smell, to be able to walk around, right? And so God has arranged it that there are many parts in the one body. If we were all, if we all in the church had the same giftings as everybody else, then we wouldn't need each other. We wouldn't need the church. God has not made it that way. God has made it, again, so that we image God himself, that we would need the community of persons. And each part needs the other part. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts, which we all have, are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now, again, he's talking here with the image of the body. And let's be honest here. We, we all have parts of our body that are less presentable than others. Right? We all have genitals. We all have uh, parts where we, uh, let's say, uh, get rid of unused liquids, unused solids in our body. Right? We don't go presenting those parts to the world, do we? They're less honourable, but just as vital, right? We need them. We'd get pretty sick if we couldn't use those parts of our body. And God has made it in the church the same way. We don't all have roles where we're up the front preaching. We don't all have giftings where we're up the front singing. Some of us might have the gift that we're out there serving people, cleaning the toilets, making meals and doing hospitality, having people around. And God has arranged it that those presentable parts are lifted in their honor so that there is unity in the body. We equally need each other. And then he says, right, if, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. If I stub my toe, my whole body is affected by that pain. It's the same in the church. If one member suffers, we should all be, as we're united in Christ, we're joined to one another, we should all suffer with that person. few chapters earlier, Paul talks about discipline in the church for blatant sin. He says you need to deal with blatant sin in the church. Why? Use the image of bread. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Right? You put a bit of yeast in a piece of bread and it leavens through the whole thing. The whole thing rises. He says you need to deal with sin. Why? One person's sin in the church affects the whole church. Why? Because we're united. We are one body. And so, one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honoured, we should all rejoice with him or her. A part of us. We need each other. And we need to serve each other for the common good. Going quick, briefly back to verse 21 there. Right? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I want to briefly show you something. Show you what it's like if you take yourself out of the church. 
that's what you're doing. If you take yourself out of the church. If you say, I, I don't need a church. Right? I can live the Christian life by myself. This is effectively what you're doing. Am I okay out here by myself? I mean, how long are you going to last like that? Without the sustenance of the rest of the body? Without the growth of the rest of the body? Right. As a hand, not only are you not giving the rest of the body the giftings that God has gifted you with, but you're not getting any of the giftings that the rest of the body has. How are you going to see? How are you going to hear? How are you going to taste? How are you going to get anywhere without legs? Right? And no, of course, it wasn't my right hand. But I, I wanted to make the point, right, that we need the body. We need the body. As part of the wider body, each Christian needs the others in the church. You cannot say as a Christian, I don't need the church. I can live Christianity by myself, just me and Jesus. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Just me and Jesus? No. Christianity is not about you and Jesus only. It's about you, Jesus, and the church. We're united not only to Christ who is our head, but to one another. We need each other. If you're going to cut yourself, isolate yourself from the church, this is what you're doing. Right? You're saying no to God's appointed means of grace in your life. You say no to God's spiritual growth in your life. And because Christ doesn't give the individual Christian what he or she needs to live the Christian life. Did you know that? Christ doesn't give you what you need individually. He gives the church everything you need to live the Christian life. So you isolate yourself from the church. You isolate yourself from much of what you need. And God gives these gifts in the church. Let's read about that. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Who's he talking about here? He's talking to the local church in Corinth. And this can be very well applied to us as part of local churches. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Verse 28. And God has appointed... What did he say? In the church. In the church. Not in your youth group. Not at Totra Springs Christian Camp. Not in your home group or your cell group, but in the church. He's appointed in the church and then he lists these gifts. First apostles. Second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. You want these gifts in your life? You need to be in the church. Because God gives these, not to individuals, but to individuals in the church. And then he says, verse 29, are all apostles? The implied answer is no. 
Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, he says. Now again, I take it that this list of gifts that he's just described is not exhaustive. But he says that these gifts are given in the church. And in order to experience the richness of the Spirit of God in your life, you need to be in the local church. Otherwise, you're just isolating yourself to your one spiritual gift that God has given to you, or maybe two or three he may have given you. Who knows how many? But you're isolating yourself from the rest of the spiritual gifts that God wants to use to bless you. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this scenario that I'm going to briefly unfold for you. You turn up to youth group or some activity night. You get numbered off. One, two, three, four, five, right? You get placed in your numbered team. And you find that there's a quiz. It's a quiz night. And everyone is told, right, the the team that wins gets a prize. And so you're in your team at the table, and the quiz begins, and you don't really like quizzes, um, but you sit there for a little while anyway, and you go, oh, I don't really know any of these answers. And on top of that, I, I really don't get on with any of these guys in my team. I don't know them. I don't. We're very different from one another. Um, these guys really irritate me. They annoy me. And so you decide, I'm going to leave my team, and I'm going to sit at the back of the room and then that way I don't have to deal with any of those people. Anyway, you sit there for a while, the quiz comes to an end, the answers are marked, and the prize is brought out. It's uh, a couple of blocks of beautiful, uh, delicious Whitaker's chocolate. And you find that the team that you're in wins. And your team is called up to accept the surprise. But because you took yourself out of the team, you don't get to share in any of the chocolate. If you don't partake in the team, right, you don't get to share in the prize. Same in the church. You take yourself out of the church, you miss out on the gifts that God has given to his church. You miss out on so much. You miss out on God's appointed means of teaching, God's encouragement, God's rebuke when you need to be brought under control. You miss out on God serving you through others, right? All of these different gifts and abilities that God gives to his church are in the church. And so this evening we've, we've looked at briefly what is the church? The community of Christians, community of believers. And it's the place that God gives us spiritual gifts for our mutual benefit. And why do we need the church? Why is the church, the local church important? Well, it's important because it's there that the Spirit of God is at work through our gifts used for one another.
And so earlier I brought up that statement, right? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. What do you think about that statement? Let me, let me give you what I think, briefly. I don't think it's normative to think that way. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a couple of examples of those who I believe are Christians and not in the local church. First one is those who trust in Jesus Christ on their deathbed. Right? They're dying, they don't have a chance to be a part of a local church. Um, because they trust in Christ at the end of their life. Right? Jesus on the cross said to the thief next to him, right, today you will be with me in paradise. Second example is, um, my, I've got a very good friend of mine who's a, a missionary in Albania. And he told me this story recently where uh, he was staying in this very uh, small town in Albania, a little village really. And he was staying in a hotel. He was about to speak and preach a sermon the following day. And he said to the receptionist at the hotel, Hey, can you please uh, print off some notes for me? And she said, Yeah, yeah, no worries. What she didn't know was that she was about to print off his sermon notes for the following day. He comes by later to pick them up. And she looks at him and she says, Wow, you're an actual Christian. I read all of your notes as they were printing off, and this is amazing. I'm a Christian too. Except there's no local church in my area. There's no church that I can attend. I'm the only Christian in my village. Where are you speaking tomorrow? Can I come? And so you hear stories like that. But I don't think that's normative. I think given the chance to be a part of a local church, these people jump at the chance. we are not in the local church, we miss out on so much. And you might say, oh, Justin, you don't know what my local church is like. It's boring. The people there are difficult. I don't get on with them. They don't play the same sports as me or into the same kind of books or movies. I just don't like going to that church. Full of difficult, sinful people. Okay, but it's full of difficult, sinful people that God wants to use to grow you. God wants to use their spiritual gifts to grow you. Don't miss out on the gifts that God wants to grow you. Yes, find a good biblical church. Find a church that preaches Christ. But be a part of that church. Be involved. And I have had a number of really good friends of mine who I have grown up with through youth group, done ministry mission trips together, at some point in their lives said, I don't need the church to be a Christian. And every single one of them, friend, 
things. Every single one of them has walked completely away from the faith since then. Every single one of them. Some of them held on for 5, 10, 15 years. Eventually, they grew weaker and weaker and totally left. They don't even believe in Jesus Christ anymore. Friends, do not take yourself out of the local church. You need the local church. It's the place that God has given as gifts for His people to grow His people. You can't do the local, the Christian life, sorry, by yourself. Right? You need the church. And so we as Christians are members of the body. This is who we are, and we need each other for our nourishment and growth. It's the way that God has made us. So this is what we do. We use our gifts for the benefit of one another. And that's why we need the church. Even though it's full of sinful, difficult people. And so, praise be to God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, for the gift of the local church. Because it is there that we receive the blessings that God has given to His people and the nourishment the sanctification, the making holy of his saints. That would Christ would grow us up into him, self who is our head, Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about this, we're going to talk more about it at our elective tomorrow. Um, let me pray. Father, we're grateful for this time that we've had together this evening. I pray for each one here. We thank you that you've brought them here. We ask that they would leave this weekend being so much more appreciative of the local church in which you've placed them. We ask that you would help each one of us to use our gifts for the benefit of one another, for the benefit of your church. And that we would in turn be benefited by others. That you would, as you have promised to do, build your church through each one of us. May we not miss out on the gifts and the spiritual blessings which you have for us because we have taken ourselves out. We ask that you would help us to be faithful to you and the calling in which you have placed on each one of our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Foundation for the whole uh, conference. Uh, so if you weren't taking notes, uh, you should be a part of the church. Take that, and that's, that's your note. Uh, so from here, we've got some supper that will be over in the dining room. Uh, so you're welcome to go grab some of that. It'll just be some veggies, and there's uh, like a coffee drink station that you can make. Uh, you can have yourself to make a drink. Uh, but for those of you who would like to burn off some energy or play some games, we're going to be over in the gym playing. Uh, a game called Mattress Softball. It's uh, world famous in the Waikato. Uh, it's one of my favourites. It's heaps of fun. Uh, so you should all come. It's better than more people. So uh, supper over in the dining room and a game over in the gym if you like. Cool.